Go to the book of Revelation. I want to talk about hope tonight. How many know hope is what this world needs? Amen. This world needs hope. And, and, and I think the problem a lot of times is the world doesn't know why they need hope. But there's a hopelessness in this world. But if you don't know why you're hopeless, that's, that's, a, that's a bad thing. It's like having cancer and not knowing what the cancer is or why you have cancer or how to treat it. That's the world's condition today. And there's a hopelessness that we're going we're gonna to read the state tonight of the world before we get into to what brings us hope. Because I think it's important that we're reminded tonight as, as believers that we have to know what, what we have hope of. Why we have hope. What we don't have that will give us hope tonight. Okay, And so we can't, let, we can't give the world hope if we don't know what hope is. And we can't give the world hope if we don't remember where we were before we met Jesus. We cannot iterate that enough. We cannot say that enough that we've got to know where we were and, and the state that we were in, which was hopelessness. So we're going to start off in Revelation chapter 20 in a second, but I'm going to read a verse about hope in Titus 2, and you don't have to go there. You can write it down. Verse 12 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? That is the hope tonight. That is the hope that everybody should have, that, that one day we would stand before God in, in, in his presence, and we would stand before him as our what? Savior, okay? As our Savior. And we're going to read here what the state of the world is in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Give me an amen if you have it. This is the end of the book. This is what waits Every single person who's ever lived on the face of the earth, what we're going to read right here. Now, do I have anybody in here that still believes that this is God's word? Amen. That this is the, the word straight out of God's mouth? I'm not reading uh, something opinionated tonight. I am reading what God is speaking to us right from his word. And he says, here's how, how this story is going to end for humanity. Okay, why we go do outreach, why we share our faith, why we do what we do is because there is going to be a day where every single person is going to do this right here. And, and we can't worry about today and tomorrow and the next day if we don't think about the future of where our eternity is and where we're going to spend it. Okay, it's very important that we understand that. And so Revelation 20 verse 4 says, and I saw thrones and they that sat on them. And judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls. Now I'm going to pause there for a second, church. That's what we're after. We're after souls. Okay? Every human being has a soul. And we're after souls. So have you ever heard somebody say, we're, we're trying to reach souls. We're trying to win souls. That means we're trying to get the spirit of a person, the soul of a person, to live eternally with God. Okay? And, and so he says, I saw all the souls. This is John the Revelator visualizing the, visualizing, the, visualizing the future. It says, of those, now I know this isn't a pretty statement here, but it says, who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God. And watch this, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead 
did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Now, watch this. He's mentioning here in verse 4 a group of people who have given their lives by beheading. I didn't write the book. I know it doesn't sound too, too neat on a Wednesday night, but the Bible says they've given their lives They've been beheaded, and, and I know that uh, that's something we see in the news. It seems weird to us, but it's in the Bible for 2,000 years in the New Testament. And they have died a martyr's death, and now they are uh, resurrected. And the Bible says here in verse 5, this is important, it says this is the first resurrection. Okay, There's two resurrections in the Bible. This is the first resurrection. And I just want to give you a little teaching tonight because it's important. And, and, and I'm going to give you some, some, some uh, Captain Obvious tonight. Okay? We're all going to die. I know that's, don't worry, I'm going to get to the hope part, okay? <laughs> we're all going to die. And, 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 and we're all going to pass into eternity. That's, people have been trying forever to keep that from happening, and it can't. You, you know, if you live 100 years, that's great. Uh, Paul Platt's dad's in his 90s. That's wonderful. People live to be 100. I saw a lady the other day was turning 108. Praise God. That's a blessed life. But guess what? She's going to pass away. We're all going to pass away. And we're all going to have a death. And the Bible says that we are also going to have a resurrection. You know what's interesting? A lot of people don't think about this. Easter's coming up. And we don't realize that every person on the face of the earth and every who's, one who's ever lived, ever, is going to resurrect from the dead. Did you hear that? Everyone is going to resurrect from the dead. Believers and non-believers are going to resurrect from the dead. Oh, I don't know if I believe in that. Guess what? You're going to believe in it. You'll be, you're going to become a believer because you're going to resurrect from the dead. But the Bible tells us that the reason we can have hope is there are two resurrections. And how many know you want to be in the first resurrection? First is always good with God. Okay, always first, or they're never bad, okay? And so we want to be in the first resurrection. I'll explain that a little more here, because look what verse 6 says. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. doesn't say that he's going to have a resurrection. It may be have a resurrection. Blessed is the one who's in the first resurrection. So there's a choice there. Over such, the Bible says, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So how many know we see here in the Bible there's going to be a group of people who are going to be martyred for their faith. This is futuristic and some is happening even now. But this is really talking about a futuristic event and a futuristic time. And, and as that happens, um, we're, they're going to have a, a first resurrection. Okay, the, This is something futuristic. Now, go down to verse 11 and give me an amen when you get there. And we see, he says, now I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And look at this, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of of life. You've heard me say at an altar call, Father, write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? 
You want to make sure that your name tonight is not so important on a social security card or on a loan or on an inheritance, but you want to make sure your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. That is the only place you need to make sure your name is written down. And then he says, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Listen, I'm going to give you another teaching here, just a little piece to throw in here. This is important. Listen to what I just read. It says, and the, the dead were judged according to their works. Those who are not saved those who are not believers, those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ are going to be judged by God for their works. That's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. We, listen closely, we who are believers today in Jesus Christ are not going to be judged by our works. That's why we have hope. Are you all here? We're not going to be judged by our works because the blood of Jesus saved us and set us free and covers us and covers all of our sins. And the Bible says that we're not saved by our works, lest any man should boast in Ephesians, but we're saved by grace. That's hope. Grace. Can anybody be thankful for that tonight? But if you stood before God right now, I'm not even talking about if you had a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year. If you stood before God right now and had to put your eternity based on your works, we would be in trouble. And here's why. Because and this isn't in my notes. But Isaiah says that our works are like filthy rags. So our works are meaningless. Our works aren't good in God's eyes. They're not enough. And so he says, you want to live by works? You want to try to be good enough? God says, okay, if you want to reject my son, then someday you'll stand before me and I'll do exactly. See, people don't understand. God's going to give people exactly what they want. Everybody's going to get what they want. I make a statement tonight. I want heaven. I want mercy. I want grace. I want salvation. I want eternity with God. That's what I choose tonight. And guess what? I'm going to get what I want. People who say, I don't need grace. I don't need mercy. I don't need hope. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. Just, just look at me and look what I do. God says, all right, that'll work. I'll judge you by what you want. I'll judge you by your works. That's what I'm going to do. How many are still here? And then he says, so they're, they're, they're judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. And, and on that, right before I go to 13, that means every single thing you've ever done. Every single thing you've ever done, ever thought, ever said, that's why we need grace. That's why there's hope tonight. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody. We need hope. We have hope. And then he says, the sea gave up the dead, verse 13, that were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. Look at this. Each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 
Now watch this statement. Anyone not found in the written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You don't think we need hope tonight? There's millions and probably billions of people tonight who are passing into eternity tonight, church. Amen? Come on. Passing into eternity. That baby is saying amen. Better than you are. Amen? She's like, hey, y'all ain't going to say it. I'm going to say it. Out of the mouth of babes. That's why we need hope tonight. Because there's a, a lost and dying world that doesn't know that their future is judgment by a living God, church. Amen. And so we need to understand that God is doing something in our lives to cause us to understand, I have hope, and I want the world to have that hope too. Can you say amen? Now, this is very important. We need to, to learn those scriptures, speak those scriptures, tell people those scriptures. Some people say, oh, people don't need to hear about that, what the world calls it, fire and brimstone. You'd be a fool to see a train coming towards a car and not tell them, get that car out the way. You'd be a fool to tell somebody that sees a train coming not to jump out the way or go push them out the way. Why would we not tell the world where they're headed, amen, and what's going to wait for them? Why would we not tell them what's around the corner so that they can think, man, I do need hope because the world knows they need hope, but they don't know why. They don't know why they need hope. They feel hopeless. There's a hopelessness in the world, but they don't know what the hope is. And the hope is Jesus. The hope is forgiveness. The hope is a fresh start. The hope is eternity. As that song we sang last is in heaven. And to behold his glory. To think about his wonders. And all that song talks about. That's our hope tonight. Amen. Now let's go quickly, if you will, to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to remind you tonight, listen, we need to be reminded that we have a blessed hope. I read it right at the beginning in Titus chapter 2. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Give me a shout of amen when you're there. Here's another futuristic event. And we know as a church that this futuristic event is at any time, at any moment, any day. And so that's why, church, we have to have an urgency that's why we have to seek the Lord and pray and say, God, help us to reach people. Because there's, there's going to come a time when the Bible says we will not be able to work anymore. It'll be dark. It'll be nighttime. And we won't be able to work anymore. And, 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 our, and our, our, our time, the Bible calls it the, the dispensation of grace. The meaning that there, for the last 2,000 years, the church, that's you and us, has lived under grace. Grace. Not a grace that we would abuse, but a grace that says, I'm not good enough. I can't do this on my own. I cry out to God of mercy, and I say, Lord, forgive me. We do that right there, and for 2,000 years, that's been the case. As soon as this happens that we're going to read right here, this futuristic event, at that very moment, the age of grace ends. The age of grace ends. Okay, And then after that, then from that moment on, what the Bible says is seven years from that moment on, then people will have to go to heaven through their, say it with me, somebody shout it out that knows, works. Works. Y'all still with me? Yeah. 
Let me, let me just break that down again just in case you lost track. We started off in Revelation, and the Bible said it was talking about a futuristic time, which, I'm, which the Bible calls the tribulation. And during that time, the Bible says that they were beheaded for their faith. And so they, during that time, had to give their lives to be saved. To be saved. Because during that time, the only way you can be saved is to be beheaded, just to give your life for the Lord. And so they will be saved by their works during that time. Right now, we are saved by grace. I don't have to die to be saved. I don't have to give my life to be saved. I don't have to do certain things to be saved. All I have to do is say, God, I call on your mercy and your grace, and I know I'm not good enough. Forgive the sinner that I am. I confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me, and that's our hope. But the Bible says a time is coming when it will go from grace and that grace will be done and then it will become works again during a time that prompt church, none of us want to be in. And we don't, listen, don't want our worst enemy to be in that time. You might think you hate somebody tonight, but if you could have a glimpse of the future, you would want that person to be saved. So look what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, verse 16. This is a promise. This is a futuristic event for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise, and there's that word again, first. I don't want to be second in the kingdom of God. I want to be first. Now, there's a thing that says I am second, and that's a whole different idea, a whole different direction. I'm not dogging that, but I want to go in the first load. Come on, somebody. I don't want to go in the second load. I want to go in the first load. Amen? I want to make sure that I go that first time. That's my hope. Okay? Now, continue to read. So it says the dead in Christ will... Now, I'm going to break this down in a second and really make it clear. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, watch this. This is us right now. Any one of us could pass away tomorrow, but at this moment, we're still alive. Sometimes we don't show signs of life, but we are alive. Amen? Sometimes we need to check our blood pressure, but we are alive. Hallelujah. Amen. It maybe not look on the outside, but we're alive. It says, the, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we shall always be with the Lord. That's the blessed hope. 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 There are teachers and people who say, oh, you just want the easy way out. Yes, I do. I want to go be with the Lord. And if the Bible says I can, why wouldn't I go? Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of cultish sex out there and, and S-E-C-T-S. I don't, it's hard to say that word. Cults out there. Amen. And, and people who do weird things. But let me tell you something. If a spiritual bus showed up tonight and it said going to heaven, I'd go out and get on it. I don't know about you. I'd be in it. I'm, I'm ready to go be, be with Jesus. I don't, I don't want to miss the boat. And, and, I, and I, I could go a whole lot of different directions right there. But think back to Noah. I don't want to miss the boat. I want to go in the first load. And this promise of the Bible is our hope that there's a first load. And that, that the Bible says here, as I break this down, and I'm going to break it down even more in a second, we see here that the Bible teaches us that God is saying in his word through Paul that there's coming a time 
when he is going to take uh, out his church. But what's interesting about that is it says that first, before we who are alive and remain are caught up in the air with the Lord, the Bible says the dead, what? In Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ. Here's the difference. We just read Revelation. We saw there those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are the ones who are not in, in Christ. Today they would be hopeless. Okay? They're not in Christ. But we who are in Christ, we who are saved, we who believe in the Lord today are, are full of hope and are the ones that would remain. But the Bible says those who have died first will rise from the dead. Didn't we read in Revelation that everyone will resurrect? Everyone will resurrect. And so the Bible says this is the first resurrection. And so Thessalonians says, Paul says, I'm seeing something in a vision where there'll be a time when the graves will open up and all the people, who? Who are the people? All the people, somebody today died in the Lord all around the world. People died in the Lord Jesus Christ today, very recent, uh, today, all around the world. They, right there, those people today, all the way back to the time of Jesus Christ when he ascended into heaven, that time lapse right there was all the believers who have died in Christ. Y'all following me? And the Bible says when this great event happens, which we don't know the day or the hour, we don't know, we know the seasons, we know we're closer every day, we know it can happen any moment, and that says that in that word, when that trumpet sounds, when God calls his church home, all the dead in Christ who died not according to their works but the grace of God are going to come out of the grave and the Bible says they're going to go into the air first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them. In the air. It's going to be the greatest roller coaster ride ever. It's going to be amazing. Amen. And if you don't like roller coasters, then you'll be the greatest whatever you like ever. Amen. It'll be the greatest slow Ferris wheel or it'll be the greatest. I don't know what you like, but it'll be great. That's going to be, it's going to be great for everyone. Amen. And so we're going to be in the air. That is our hope. Why is it our hope? Because the Bible says that, that things aren't going to get better. They're going to get worse. They're going to get more. Even though we've seen glimpses of good things and all that, that's the daily. But there's coming a time when judgment's going to come on this earth. That judgment that Billy Graham preached for his entire life. Judgment. Judgment of a living God to a world that has despised and rejected the truth. Come on. So this is where we're at. Now watch this. It says here that we will be caught up and, and we'll always be with the Lord. So you've heard me say this many times, but I'm preaching as if you've never heard it. In the Greek, in the Greek of this word, uh, the Bible says it's called harpaso. And the, it's in the, in the uh, Strong's Word Dictionary. It's the word G726. It means, it means this, to seize or to carry off by force. Okay? Meaning it's going to happen fast. So here's the visual again. Just a few minutes ago, I mentioned to you a train about to hit somebody. If you were going to save somebody from a train hitting them, you would not put your hands in your pocket and walk up real nonchalant and just come up real slow and just, you know, hey, I'm coming to try to save you from this train. You might want to start getting off that track. It, would, it wouldn't be like that. It would be swift. It would be a run. It would be a sprint. It would be grab and pull and get out the way out of danger. Are you all following me? That's what this definition is, to seize or to carry off by force. 
And then it says, here's another one. This, this is pretty powerful. This is in the Strong's. To seize or claim oneself eagerly. You know what you know tonight that Jesus is eager to get his church? Amen. The Bible calls that time, the, 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 the Bible says we're the bride of Christ. Amen. And he's the groom. And he's excited to, to get us. Amen. And so he, that's, he, there's, a, there's a desire. We think we want to see the Lord. He wants to get us. He's excited. That's what this means. And then the last one says, to snatch out or away of danger. Now, I want you to go to John chapter 11 real quick. And I want to, I want to show you something very powerful tonight. Because we listen to these words in 1 Thessalonians by, by the Apostle Paul who had that revelation from God, who had that conversion of Jesus Christ. As you're getting to John 11, remember that this is a man who, who hated Christians. He hated the gospel. He hated Jesus. He hated everything that God was about that had to do with Jesus. Okay? He, he's, he's a perfect picture today of, of what a Muslim would be. They don't want to any, they don't believe in Jesus. Says they don't hate him, but they don't believe in him. He was beyond that, way beyond that, because he hated Christians. He hated everything that had to do with Jesus. And the Bible tells us he was killing and arresting Christians. And then in, in Acts chapter 8, he has a conversion experience and he sees Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, why are you, why are you fighting against me? I have a call in your life. And he's saved by, by Jesus Christ. He believes in Jesus Christ. And then he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gives us that word in 1 Thessalonians. He gives us that word that I'm not going to read tonight that's in 1 Corinthians. You can write it down 50, 50 through 52, where the Bible says something important, because I want to throw this in right before I begin to close in this area here. Uh, we think, and, I, and I, I like to think like you think, and I like to think outside the box. What, when I say that Jesus is going to rapture his church, because that's the word that we, by the way, rapture comes from the Greek word harpasso, but rapture is Latin, Okay? It's the same thing, but it's, it's even the more original translation. And that's why we say the word rapture. And some people say the word rapture is not in the Bible. But guess what? How many believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Neither is the word Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible either, but doesn't mean that there's not a God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we understand that the Bible wasn't written in English, even though sometimes we get caught up on that. Okay? So it's, it's important to understand here that we are, we are uh, listening to a man talk about these things and, and say these things that are so important. And then we get to a place where we understand in our thought life, how is it possible? Are you serious? How, how, am, how am I going to get off the ground? How am I going to fly into the air? And I've said this for all my entire, I've thought that before. It sounds weird when you first read it. Man, this is crazy. Are you serious? Snatched away? Caught up in the air? Come on, man. What are you talking about? But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 50-52 that our body right now that is held down by gravity is going to be transformed into a body that is no longer corruptible. Are y'all still here? Do you know what is keeping us on the ground right now? Do you know why I'm not floating into the air right now? Who's smarter than me? Somebody shout it out. What is keeping me on the ground right now? On this platform right now? Gravity. Right? 
I'm on this earth. I'm not floating into the air because of gravity. So the Bible says that we'll be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And all of a sudden, this body that I live in that is corruptible. Now, we're not talking about those who have died. That's a different person. They're dead. Their bodies are in the grave. Their souls are in heaven. I'm talking about people right now, who us, who are alive. This body is corruptible. It's going to die. It's going it's to it's go bad. But the bio, it, it, gravity's holding me to the ground. But as soon as this rapture happens, as soon as Jesus calls his church up, the Bible says that at the same time, in the, it, that's why it says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it says we shall be changed in Corinthians. We shall be changed. And so we will go from corruptible in a second to incorruptible. And then my corruptible body that has me on the ground by gravity will turn into incorruptible. And this incorruptible body that no longer needs gravity will go up. Come on. New body. This body can't go up in the air. This body definitely can't go up into space. But a new body can. An incorruptible body can. And that's what the Bible says we're going to have. Now, I could spend a whole hour on this statement right here, but I can't because i got to move on. All kinds of things there. I'll give it to you later. Ask me about it. Let's close with John 11. Watch this. So we wonder, maybe Paul wasn't necessarily talking about that specific thing here. But watch what Jesus says in John 11:25. Y'all there? Jesus says to this woman, I am the resurrection Remember that word? Resurrection and the life. Here's the hope. He who believes in me, he who believes in me, watch this, though he may die, he shall live. That's a direct correlation, listen, to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Amen? That says... The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see here in John eleven twenty five, 25, he who believes in me and dies, though he were dead, he shall live. There we see 1 Thessalonians four sixteen, And then verse 26 says this. This is amazing, guys. And whoever lives, and whoever lives and believes in me, watch this, he shall Hmm. What does that sound like? 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to the Lord in the air. Jesus Christ himself made a rapture statement. He who is dead, though he were dead, he shall live. And then it says in the next verse, he who lives and believes in me I don't know how else you can read that says he shall never die. So Jesus makes the statement in the book of John. All the word works together. It's a beautiful masterpiece. It's a beautiful masterpiece. And Jesus is stating to us tonight, listen, this world is hopeless without me. But with me, there's hope. And church, we have hope. 
We have the cure for spiritual cancer tonight. We have the answer for everyone's questions. If people begin to ask you questions, they begin to say, what about this and what about that? Tell them the answer is Jesus. Well, what about this and what about that? Well, the answer to that is Jesus. Because if you get everything else right, but you get Jesus wrong, you're lost. You can get everything else wrong, but if you get Jesus right, you got hope. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says in another verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some people might get to heaven except through me. No, he says, no one gets to the Father except through me. I'm the door. I'm the door. Church, we tonight have the answer. If you ever begin to get hopeless as a Christian, you better remind yourself of what Jesus said in these words. Amen? Don't let the circumstances of this life get you down. Don't let the things you're going through on a daily basis rob you of your hope. Because listen to what Titus says, and we're going we're gonna to bow our heads after this verse. I'm going to go back and read that first verse I read. He said in Titus 2.12, uh, sorry, 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great and Savior, Jesus Christ. God and Savior, Jesus Christ. These movies that people are coming out with today have nothing on the glorious movie special effects that we're going to see when we go to heaven. Special effects, church. Amen? Come on. There ain't no movie that's been written that can even get close. I always tell people, man, that guy Walt Disney, man, all the stuff he did in Disney World, all these movies that are coming out there so realistic. They're, where do you think they got those ideas from? God's, God gave them the power and the wisdom to be smart enough to make those movies. What do you think God has prepared for those who love him tonight? But here's what we do. We have the hope, but here's how we keep the hope. Here's how we keep the hope. Verse 12 tells us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Okay, so we're saved by grace. That's our, our ticket comes only by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But then he says, I need you to deny ungodliness. I need you to stay away from those worldly lusts. I need you to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Why? So that we can be ready when Jesus comes. Amen? Our hearts can be right. And we can be not attached to this world so that when that trumpet sounds, we go. We go. So that I don't have to prove my faith. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the, the authority that we have tonight in your word, that this is the answer to our questions. This is the manual for our life tonight, Jesus. Father, thank you tonight that it doesn't matter what the world says. We trust and believe in your word. Your word is yes and amen tonight, Father. Lord, I ask tonight as we close, as, we, as we're here on this Wednesday night,
Father, most of us in here probably are already believers. But God, help us keep the hope. The hope. We've got to tell people. We've got to share our faith. We've got to witness. We've got to go after these souls tonight that don't know Jesus. That if they died tonight, they would die hopeless. Hopeless. No hope. Some people say, I have no hope. And Lord, that's the truth. Some people have no hope because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the hope, the blessed hope, the Bible says. And we're looking for that glorious day. Listen, every day that you wake up, you might be facing circumstances. You might be facing physical ailment. You might be facing bills. You might be facing the news. You might be facing tragic things. But you can wake up and say, Lord, my hope is not in this world. My hope, as Colossians says, is on things above. My affections are on things above tonight. So that's what we need to keep our eyes on. We need to keep our eyes on the blessed hope of Jesus Christ, that there's a great day coming for us. But before that day comes, we got to get everybody in the boat that we can. How many all over this place tonight would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus tonight as my Lord and Savior. If I passed into eternity, I would stand before God and he would judge me by my works tonight. And I realized by the Holy Spirit tonight, that would be a dangerous place for me. I need to be saved tonight. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Just put your hand up and say, pray for me tonight. I want Jesus to come into my life. I don't want to stand before God someday. I don't get to choose which God I stand before. The Bible says there's one God. There's one God tonight. There's one living judge tonight. And he says he'll judge the living and the dead. And tonight I want to be, I don't want, I don't want to be judged by my works. I want to be judged by grace, by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for me. Just put your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. That's me. God bless you. I want to be saved. I want to know. I don't want to have a doubt in my mind. I don't want to have a doubt in my spirit. I want to make sure tonight my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and you said that prayer. At some point, maybe you were younger. Maybe it was three years ago. Maybe you said it and didn't know what you were doing, but tonight the Holy Spirit is telling you, listen, all you got to do is believe in me. Put your hope in me. Don't put your hope in this world. And maybe tonight you need to say that prayer from your heart. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've gone back to your old ways and you want to restore that relationship tonight. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me tonight. Amen. God bless you. God sees your hand tonight. Amen. Let's stand to our feet on this Wednesday night. A couple of challenges tonight. You know, Matthew 9 tells us, here's a statement you've heard before. He says to his disciples, Jesus says, the harvest truly is plentiful. Meaning there's a lot of people out there to go harvest, to go pick. It's not like we gotta, we don't know where to go grab. It's out there. It's everywhere. Right now is a perfect example of that. It's spring. All these flat, all these, all these trees are budding. I was, I was looking at that this morning outside of my bathroom window. It's a how can you look at that and not believe in God? That thing's it buds into these beautiful white and purple colors and all that, and then it turns to leaves. God's like, let me just do a little show real quick before I bring these leaves out. This is a perfect time to see everything growing. The harvest is plentiful. The world is, 
the more hopelessness there is, the more hope there is. The darker the world is, the more the light shines. So the harvest, the Bible, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. But then he said, here's the problem. The workers, son pocos. The workers are few. There's not very many workers. We don't have enough workers. We don't have enough people saying, man, God, wake me up tomorrow with a passion and a compassion for the lost. Lord, put in my heart that somebody, I need, to get, I need to get my problems off to the side and I need to put you first and I need to make sure I tell someone about the hope that is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still Lord. He's the answer. Jesus loves you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can give you hope. Amen. They need to hear it. And they need to see it in our lives. As we sing tonight, the altars are open. I challenge you to, to have that hope that you have in your heart. Go. Go and preach. Go and speak. Go and answer. Go and do what God's called you to do. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I, I gotta, maybe I need to look inward and make sure that my heart's right tonight. And then I'm not living a godly, ungodly life or living with worldly lust or not living soberly. God, help me be godly in this place tonight. Fullness of